Hello, career competitor. This is Steve Meller, as always here to share with you some powerful conversation and some significant insights into what it means to optimize your career in pursuit of your optimal self. I am excited to be introducing our guest here shortly. But as always, let me draw your attention to careercompetitor.com, where you'll see right at the top of that homepage is a place where you can enter your email and become a part of my monthly subscription, my mid-monthly message, where I am just simply giving you that little nudge in the middle of the month to remember that whatever it was you set out to achieve with all that energy at the outset of the month and what Ever those lofty goals may be at the end of the month that you're not going to lose sight of that journey in between. Become a part of my community today. Head to careercompetitor.com, enter your email, and look forward to my next mid-monthly message. Now, let's get right into the show. Hello there and welcome into this episode of Career Competitor where I have the fortune of welcoming back my friend from across the pond, Lee Povey, for a third time to the show. And Lee and I go into a number of things from one coach to another within this episode, mainly off the back of the past year or so of experiences that Lee has been dealt with. And three things that come from this conversation in addition to many more Firstly, we uncover the lessons to be learned around human emotion when facing adversity. Secondly, we get into the benefits of asking powerful questions to yourself in the midst of scary and adverse moments. And finally, we get into the importance of how making goals as personalized as possible will truly challenge you to a point where you learn the most about yourself. So these three things and much more within this great episode of just two coaches having a chat and covering a whole ton of insights that can be of great impact to you and anyone around your world when it comes to simply aspiring to become your best self. Looking forward to this one. Excited to be sharing this with you, and I hope you all enjoy. Okay, we are having a very special episode of Career Competitor because I've only allowed two people on my show three times. And we happen to have one of those two people <laughs> with us today. Uh, my fellow Brit turned legal American that is Lee Povey. And just to fill pe- remind people who Lee is, he, he is the owner of Maximize Your Potential Coaching. He's the founder, leadership performance coach. He's partnering with individuals and startups to optimize growth, effectiveness, fulfillment, and success within their lives. And that's all the intro I'm going to give you because you've got two episodes worth of Lee that you can go back and listen to. So if you don't know him by now, that's on you. But Lee, welcome, mate. Hey, Steve. And yeah, who wants to know about me? Let's talk about more fun things. Well, I don't know about that. It's the only reason I bring you back on is because you're such fun to have and you know, there's so much insight for you to bring. And and the one thing that you and I are both advocates for is that of the topic of vulnerability. We are always looking for ways to push vulnerability into this world because it is healthy. It is also lacking, sadly, so much within our brothers around the world. And it is an opportunity for just two men here today just to have a, a really open dialogue with you just filling us a little bit in on, on, on some of your most recent history of what's going on in your world. But there's so many opportunities here for growth and just for insights uh, for, for, for folks, I believe, along the way as we discuss this. So what I want to do is just kind of set the table here 
a little bit and uh, allow you just to give us maybe that sort of uh, concise you know, story of your 2023 and, and what it brought to you, the challenges it brought, and just where we find you maybe uh, at this point today. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And and I I can't remember if this was the second or the third time. So I feel particularly honoured to That's be it, <laughs> one of two that have been back for a third time. Um, twenty twenty three in my area of expertise, say founder and startup coaching, was a particularly interesting year. So uh, you know, many of your listeners will probably remember earlier on the year the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Well, half of the companies I worked with had their money with Silicon Valley Bank. So there was that period where people didn't know if they were going to get their money back, didn't know if their business was over. I mean, obviously it got, luckily it got sorted pretty quickly. And there was still a lot of discomfort. Mm. And I was supporting them through that discomfort. And then then there was a knock-on effect to me where companies and, uh, you know, founders and especially venture capitalists um, started looking at their money and going, we need to save. Times are going to get hard. So the message of kind of the first quarter of 2023 was a depression is coming, a recession is coming, times are going to get hard, uh, everybody's got to cut their spending. Well, some people see me as a luxury item. You know, if you're looking at your spreadsheet and you're spending a performance coach or you're spending, you know, five or 10000 dollars a month on a performance coach you might look at that and go do we need that Mm. so i lost two-thirds of my business within the month Um, another company that i partnered with um, similar kind of thing happened i was speaking to the owner and um, she rang me up fairly i don't know if distraught's the right word but despondent's probably a better word Mm. uh, and said like this is the fifth call i've had this week of companies letting us go and it's one of those moments in life where you, you, you know, part of me was actually a little relieved and this is probably going to sound crazy to say that because I was a bit burnt out. When I started this business, I hit the ground running. I got a couple of big contracts straight away. I was immediately successful, which is fairly, you know, I'm lucky enough to know that that's fairly rare in this business. Mm -hmm. And I, my 2022 was crazy. I was fully booked all year. So then 2023 comes around, I have this readjustment and part of me went, oh, wow, I can actually breathe for a minute. Hmm. I can actually stop and reassess what I want to do. And part of that, and we'll come to this in a moment, was looking at what exactly my brand was, who exactly I served, and that I wanted to do a refresh, wanted to redo my website and really get much clearer on my niche and my branding. But yeah, you know, I lost two thirds of my business in, in two weeks. So it was a it was a time. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Obviously, and I've already shared this with you privately. It's it it I'm sorry for that to have happened to you. But then the coach in me is listening to you talk and I'm like, okay, he's already seen the growth opportunity. He's already seen the growth opportunity, and that's great. That's exciting. So so much of that potential work that could be required to sort of reframe the situation and for you to help you see the opportunity has been done but what i want to do is i want to push this i want to push this back on those people that suddenly saw you as a luxury item mm. and were able to frame you as this thing we no longer use a very interesting word need it's something yeah. we no longer need and it's fascinating to me because when you think about the kind of work that we do in our space as coaches 
so much of it is challenging folks and preparing folks for the biggest trials that could potentially come their way. And here they were in the greatest of trials. And the first thing they chose to do was to see someone like yourself as something that is no longer necessary. So I just want to throw that ball up for you a little bit and see what you want to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, typical human emotion. Mm -hmm. um, resource becomes scarce. So what do you do? You guard the resource. Instead mm -hmm. of thinking, how do I get the resource back? People guard what they have and go into panic mode. So it's completely understandable. That is our instinctual human you know, reaction of, I don't have enough food. I've got to make sure that I protect the food I have. And, you know, what we do is, well, how about if we just help you find more food? Yeah. So that initial reaction was very much to contract from fear and understand it. It's completely normal. It's the process that we go through as humans. And then, you know, what I want somebody to get is, okay, and similar to what I found in that situation was, what's my gain opportunity here? Mm-hmm. So if things are going to be a bit tougher, there is usually something to be gained from it. Can we slow down and improve some of our processes? Can, you know, these companies that are working with, some of them were absolutely flying and, and um, growing very rapidly. Well, one of the things that came from this is they reorganized their teams and they let go of some people that they probably should have let go of earlier. But because they were doing so well, they haven't addressed it yet. Now it was like, Okay, we have to address that kind of stuff. And interestingly, most of the clients I lost or most of the clients that downsized have come back because, you know, two, three, four months into it, they realized that what I was doing was actually very impactful for them and really helpful for them. And it's a bit like the, you know, sometimes you have to break up with a girlfriend to realize how much you miss her. <laughs> so that absence makes the heart grow fonder and they realized even more what I brought for them. So personally, I think these moments are actually very important. I think we have to keep going through these moments of readjustment, change, however well things are going, it's good to stop and reassess. And I could see this coming. So I actually employed, as I said, some branders to work with because I could see the winds of change. It looked at the beginning of 2023 like things were going to start getting a bit harder, and then that accelerated pretty quickly. So that also gave me a moment to stop and go, what do I want to work on my own business? You know, I'm helping everybody else work on themselves and their businesses. I have a business too, and I need to stop and think, what does that look like? And when I'm not absolutely flat out, that is the time to stop and be thankful that now I've got a moment to breathe and think about what my business looks like. There's a lot of there's a lot of like almost conflicting energy here when you think about all the sides of the equation and all the sides of the situation and some of those folks that were deciding to let go of you and then some of this opportunity that you were seeing for yourself and in that people almost assessing there's a, there's a need for me to maybe start evaluating how I'm excelling within all the roles that I play you know and like you're talking there from a successful coach in 2022 and whether you have clients or not, believe it or not, you're still the same quality coach, you know? And, and that's one of those things that I've had conversations with with some fellow coaches. It's like, why am I such a crap coach? It's like, well, you've been successful and you've been a very impactful coach. Just because you don't have as many people to do that with right now doesn't make you any less of a coach. So here you are having that realization of like, well, if I have time, what other roles, what other elements that sort of 
I have to be attentive to throughout my day am I actually going to make time for now? Can I actually really dive into? So I'm curious, just you saying that, what have you maybe learned about yourself as a business owner? Because clearly you've done so much work. I know you've done so much work on yourself as a coach. What have you learned about yourself as a business owner through 2023? I still needed to do more work on myself. Mm. (laughs) So however good a coach I thought I was, I could still be a better coach. Mm -hmm. And I always feel that when these moments come, when there's that fear and that scarcity, it's a moment for me to turn inwards again and look at myself and like, what do I need? What can I keep working on? I have a little story. When I opened uh, my real estate back in the UK, Mm. um, I went to my accountant and I said, I'm thinking of opening a real estate agency. And I, I worked for a corporate company for six years, knew what I was doing. It was time for me to open my own one. And he said, but there's a hundred other real estate agents. And I said, yeah, I'm just going to be better. (laughs) And he told me the story of when he first started as an accountant, somebody come to him and said, I want to open an Italian restaurant. And he said to them, well, there's already an Italian restaurant in the town. Why do you want to open an Italian restaurant? And they said the same thing. I'm just going to be better. We're going to do better food than the other Italian restaurants. So I think that competition is good. I think it's good for all of us. And I don't think it should put you off. I think you've then got to look at yourself and think, well, how do I ne- how do I elevate myself and be the next version? I-, I do want to share here, though, that I was really scared. Like, I was really scared. You know, when you get that phone call and you're like, oh, okay, that business I thought I had for some, you know, for a lot longer is now gone or reduced. Mm-hmm. What do I do? How do I pay my bills? Like, what is my life going to look like? I had all of those thoughts. So you mentioned it, that kind of um, conflict between, okay, there's an opportunity here for me to breathe and to reassess myself and reassess my business. And there's still all of those fears going on that everybody else has of, I'm going to lose my home. I, don't, I, I can't make enough money. You know, and, and some of them are stupid. Like, I don't have a mortgage on my home. I'm not going to lose my home. Mm-hmm. But you still, you know, you still have these immediate instinctual fears and feelings. Mm. So that was the first thing I thought of is how am I going to work on me? And uh, one of the things I did was I did a psilocybin trip, did a therapy-assisted psilocybin trip. Mm. Unbelievable. Um, I'd wanted to do it for a while. I was very scared of doing it. And somehow it then just felt like the right moment, had a great experience. And then, yeah, I turned to my business and thought, what am I doing in my business? How am I representing myself? How am I representing myself on social media? How am I representing myself when I go on podcasts? What is it I want to talk about? How do I want to help people? What is my mission in life? And to just get very, very clear about that. And, you know, part of the fear of the time was I've got to appeal to everybody because I want to get more clients. And actually what I did was go in the opposite direction and go, no, I want to be very specific about who I appeal to. I just want to be the guy for that particular type of client and that particular type of business where you look at everyone else and go, no, this is the right person for me. Mm -hmm. And to be confident and comfortable. One of the reasons I'm redoing my branding and my website is because it was all too generic. Um, One way to think of it, I I, I was playing too wide and too small now I'm going to play much more defined and much bigger. That makes it. it make, I mean, for me, it makes a ton of sense. In that, <laughs> when I, when we think about the story that you told from the perspective of those companies that were making those tough decisions, 
And then the lesson that you almost took from that is you asked yourself the tough questions while you were going through a similar tough time. But, and I think this is really important, you invested in yourself too. You 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 made that clear. You you went on that trip. You know, you did certain things that listen, I have an opportunity right now to if I want to, I can just, you know, tread water and keep myself somehow at the surface doing something, twiddling my thumbs, whatever it is. But not only did you see the need to reinvest, but you actually started to ask the difficult questions while you while you were in the midst of the adversity as opposed to getting through the adversity and then starting to ask some powerful questions the, to challenge yourself to get more specific at a time where you were actually lacking i find to be borderline courageous i mean it is it's courageous it's a choice of courage to say i understand that what i'm doing is immediately getting rid of a whole bunch of opportunity by doing this, but it's putting me directly aligned with who I want to be around, who I want to be working with. And I'm just curious as to how easy a process or how difficult a process was that for you. You touched on some of it there, but I want you to maybe go a little deeper here for me. Like how how truly, how truly challenging or what level of challenge was that process for you when you were trying to get more narrow at a time? where you looked around you and you're like, but I'm lacking in so many other areas. Yeah. It was really, really scary. Um, I definitely lost a lot of sleep. Um, the first, one of the first things I did was do the psilocybin trip. Um, and just before that, I actually invested the most money in a marketing um, company. I use the term company loosely because I actually got a little bit conned and we can come to that as a, as a story to share. I invested the most money in a marketing company I've ever invested. Mm. And um, what came out of the psilocybin trip was, um, I, I can't remember if I've shared it on here before, but I'm fairly dyslexic. And it's put me off writing and sharing things before for fear of getting judged. Well, actually, there's some great tools, things like Grammarly that can correct my spelling and make sure I don't miss words, which is typically what happens for me. So it makes it more difficult to read. So there's some great tools. So I just started writing myself. And, you know, one of the results of the psilocybin journey was I care so much less about what people think about me. Hmm. I mean, I was people before that thought I didn't care a lot. <laughs> well, now I care even less. <laughs> so that allowed me to be pretty comfortable sharing my writing because I was sharing it for me as much as I was sharing it for any particular audience. Hmm. It was what I wanted to share. And it was what I, I thought was important to share about my experience and about experience of other people I've been with to help others. And if people judge me on the writing, not being very good, so what the message right. still gets out there. And that's the most important thing is sharing the message and sharing the, the knowledge and the wisdom. So I did that and lent into that. And as I said, I lent into this, this branding and that felt incredibly scary to do, to pay somebody more than I've ever paid, knowing that my income was, was decimated. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet there was also something freeing about it of, okay, this is the moment to do this. This is, right. this is my moment to step up. And instead of playing small, it's to do completely the opposite. And as you said, to be courageous and to take some big leaps. Yep, yep absolutely. And I, I really hope people are hearing this and, and just understanding that it's something that I encounter, and I'm sure you can relate, Lee. Like I, I encounter it with myself. I encounter it with... 
I've encountered it with with people in all walks of life is it's not about waiting for the right time to do certain things. It's just, it's simply trusting that sort of inner voice, trusting that reason, trusting that higher value that you put on yourself or that that aspiration that you have that you know, it's like, I know I'm just X amount of steps away from this. And if I keep kind of doing it just on my terms and just trying to wait for the right time, et cetera, it's probably never going to come to fruition. And even though you made a mistake or two, getting conned or whatever it is along the way, you said it yourself, there's a free, there's a freedom feeling in that process of saying, I see what I want and I'm actually betting on myself to go do it, to go achieve it, to go realize in it. And it may be step one of God knows how many, but it's a step. And there's a, there's a freeing feeling knowing that it's like, if it's an investment, if it's a whatever, it's a step and you feel yourself taking that step. And there's something that comes with that taking of the step. And I can see you sitting up in your chair. So finish my thought. No, you're good. Um, where do we want to go with this? You know, before this podcast, we spoke a little bit about talking about discomfort. Yeah. What tends to happen for me is the discomfort builds until I have to do something. So, you know, people will say to me, oh, you're really courageous. Leaving the UK by myself to go to America, to start a business in America, that's a courageous thing to do. At the time, it felt like the only choice I could make. Hmm. God, I relate to that. (laughs) The, you know, the... The stars had aligned in such a way that I saw an opportunity and all that was getting in the way of me making the opportunity was fear. Mm. And then the discomfort got to a point where it overwhelmed the fear. I've just got to do it. And, you know, it felt the same like that earlier in the year where I was got to this point of discomfort of I am not doing things the way I want to do things. I'm not representing my business the way I want to represent it. I'm not going after the clients that I should be going after because I'm afraid I might get rejected by them or they're not going to want me or I'm not lovable. All of those standard human emotions that we feel and in different degrees, you know, one for me is very much that I'm not lovable enough. I had a sociopath uh, for a father, didn't know how to love people. So always there's going to be that little thing of me of, oh, I'm not lovable and I'm going to upset people, piss them off. I'm not lovable. And it's transcending that when you feel the discomfort to go, just try and see what happens. I I need more mentors in my life. I need more people around me that are going to push me to be a better version of myself because I have these huge aims. I want to affect as many people in the world as possible positively. Right. I, I'm not going to be a politician. I don't have the skill set for it, the stomach, the corruptibility for it. I'm not going to be a politician. You so how do I have values? <laughs> I have values that are very, very tightly held. So how am I going to affect the world for the positive? So I have a skill set. I can see how things could be better, either for human beings or for systems. And usually the connection and where those two things intersect. And I can sit here and go, well, I don't really want to share that because I'm afraid somebody might not like me or turn me down. Or I can go, I'm going to go chase people that I think would benefit from my work and be more proactive. So that's that's where I am now. Surrounding yourself with people that can challenge you. I mean, 
for whatever reason, people, I think, assume that it has to come with an investment financially. And it's just, it's so far from the truth, you know? You know, I, I'm blessed. I, I consider myself heavenly blessed that I married someone that challenges the crap out of me every single day. But the key there is that I actually allow her to. I actually encourage it. I go to her with things that I know will be met with a challenge. And I have little. I have friends like that dotted around around my around my network that I know I can do the same. Hey, I've got this idea. Tell me why it's not good. <laughs> Tell me. Give me. Give me the reason why I'm excited about it right now. And I need you to tell me why there's something here that I can go away and work on. You know, you don't need to deflate it. You don't need to give me a reason to give up. I'm not looking for that unless I should. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, how can I how can I seek, how can I solicit challenge in my world and say, not only do I know this person's going to challenge me, I'm actually gonna give them a reason. I'm gonna give them a reason to challenge me because to your sentiment, Lee, and I'm right there with you, I know the impact that I want to make. I know the value that I want to bring. And you don't get to make an impact and you don't get to deliver value unless you're comfortable being challenged day in, day out. It just, the, the, the two cannot coexist. It has to all be as one, you know? So for me, hearing you say that, and as you go into 2024 with the lessons of 2023, and you're aspiring to find these mentors, and you're trying to bring in all of these opportunities for you to feel challenged. I know you're such an advocate for this, so I know you're already well-versed in challenging others. I would just love for you to provide listeners some insight here as to why on earth they should spend 2024 looking for these challenges, looking for these ways for them to grow through challenge. Interestingly, it brings you more happiness. So studies show that if we put ourselves in positions of discomfort and go through it and come out the other side of it, having gained something, we get more satisfaction, happiness, and reward from that than we do, say, buying ourselves some new clothing or a new car. That's very short-lived. The happiness and the satisfaction we get from coming through some kind of adversity. So think about things like cold water plunging. Anybody that's ever done that knows it's really uncomfortable and it is not in any way pleasant. However, people experience joy doing it because they are causing some discomfort that they believe will be beneficial to them. You know, one of my challenges for this year is I'm not going to eat confectionery for the entirety of 2024. Now, anybody that knows me well knows this is this is the biggest challenge I've ever undertaken. This is much harder than moving countries, starting my own businesses, um, marrying a psychotherapist of a wife. You want to talk about challenge? <laughs> Marry a psychotherapist as a wife. Um, this is the biggest one for me. This is my hardest thing. This is where I have the least amount of control and willpower is around sweet food. Never managed to do this before. Right, so let's let's stay right here. This is a wonderful mm. this is a wonderful point. Great great opportunity here for some growth for everybody. So the biggest so the biggest of mountains to climb like changing continents and things like that. In comparison to a daily temptation don't it doesn't compare. It doesn't yeah. compare in your opinion. I'd love for you to tell us why more specifically why that might be because this is where people can truly relate not everybody's crossed the continent not every all this kind of stuff but people can relate to 
like I have a I have some white chocolate dairy milk in my fridge from Christmas. I went back to the UK and I loaded <laughs> up on British chocolate. Like and I have been a sucker to that every single night. So I am not doing the same goal that you are. And I'm sorry that I'm telling you that because it's like telling an alcoholic that I've just been on <laughs> I've just been on a boozer, but that's not what this is. But I would love for you to just tell us why is that day-to-day, that temptation element, why is that so much more difficult? Yeah. I mean, there's many reasons. Some of it can be genetic. So there's a test that they do with children where they give you a donut and they say, either you can eat this donut now or you can wait and later you'll get two donuts. Right. I would have been the kid that was stuffing their face with that first donut. Yep. So genetically, um, resisting sweet things seems to be a little bit harder for me, just what I was born with. And, you know, not for alcohol. So I can easily moderate alcohol. I could yep. not drink for six months. And I wouldn't even notice. Right. Confectionery, it's not the same way. If I had those bars of dairy milk in my um, my cupboard right now, they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. I'd be eating them as we were talking. In fact, if you'd mentioned them, I just would have gone and got them. <laughs> and I'm not even, it sounds ridiculous. I'm not even joking. So I, I've set this goal for myself for a couple of reasons. One is... I actually want the challenge. I really want the challenge of, can I do this? It feels like a really big challenge to me. Can I do this for an entire year? And as an athlete, I couldn't do it. I had periods where I did it for four months a couple of times, but I never managed to do it for an entire year. And I've got no goal other than just general health. I noticed I was eating too much. Um, I'm not so worried about what I look like, but I am worried about I was putting fat on and I'm like, okay, my cholesterol level is going up. This is not good for my long-term health. I'll be 51 this year. I've always thought about my long-term health. Now I have to be even more thoughtful about my long-term health. So that's a motivator. But as you said for your audience, most human beings are terrible at looking at that long-term goal and realizing the 15 minutes of discomfort to say no to dessert is going to reward them greatly by maybe extending their life for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are 100 pounds, 50, 100 pounds overweight, because you routinely eat more than you needed every week by eating sweet foods, that has a knock-on effect with how long you're going to live. And not only that, but especially the quality of your later life. And I want to have a good quality later life. My wife's quite a bit younger than me, so not only that, I am cognizant of I want to maintain really good health as we age so that the quality of her life doesn't suffer. So that is something that I'm I'm very thoughtful of. And it's just this challenge. Can I do it? Can I put myself in this situation and keep reminding myself why? And what I've discovered from this already is how you set these goals for yourself. And what's really important when you set these goals for yourself, is you have to have a why. Now, the why for me of vanity has never been enough. I'm not vain enough. The being 10% body fat and lean so I can take my shirt off at the beach is enough a motivator for me. It is not. However, thinking about the quality of my life with my wife as we age, that is a motivator. I love her a lot. And I want us to have a very high quality of life as we both age. And my own internal health my own ability to do the things I like, like go snowboarding, like go traveling as I get older is also a motivator for me. So that's my why. 
And then the secondary why is the enjoyment of the challenge. Yeah. Which sounds insane. Well, but it to, motivates to some me. maybe, to some maybe. But again, like last, last year, I set the challenge of exercising a minimum of 30 minutes every single day. I remember. And I got within 20 days of doing it. I got within 20 days of doing it, you know? So about day 330, 335, uh, and then I had a, a few days where I just had, you know, I got a three-year-old and a four-year-old. Eventually, the the germs of daycare finally worked their way into my system, and I just couldn't, I couldn't fight it off anymore. And then we had some travel to the UK. And, but at the heart of it, and I'm really curious as to what you think of this, what I found was that once I got about 50 days into that, it became the centerpiece of my day finding that 30 minutes it was like everything else just seemed to fall into place around it which I, I i it became almost an anchor it was like this anchor of my day it was like if i find this 30 minutes today when everything around me says that this is the day to not do it you're traveling you're there you're there you're everywhere you're not going to find 30 minutes and it's almost an inconvenience to do it at this point and it was almost it was that the challenge of finding the 30 minutes somehow in some way made the rest of my day make sense it was it was fascinating in that regard and as i hear you speak to this only here we are as we're speaking about eight days into this thing i'm really curious looking at you and thinking on your behalf of like okay your why sounds strong enough right now and the question's going to become as you get into the year and you get going and life takes over is I've used this term with a friend of mine, this sort of compromise, the notion of zero compromise. How do you how do you resist the compromise? And in, in your case, yours is much more about that. Like it's so easy for you to grab one thing and put it in your mouth and that's the end of the, that's it. It's it's gone. But I'm just curious. I'm just kind of speaking through this as from my experience of committing to something like that last year. I've decided not to do that this year and uh, anything specific on a day-to-day basis. But I'm just really curious at this eight-day mark, have you already started to notice any sort of influence on the entirety of your day or your outlook on the day, et cetera? I lost three pounds already, so that shows how much confectionery I was eating. I did also put four pounds on the week over Christmas. We had friends visiting from the UK who brought a lot of UK chocolate with them. My American friends listening to this, yeah, your chocolate sucks. Get yourself some UK chocolate (laughs) or Swiss chocolate. Yeah. We, we, I mean, they know that. They just won't admit it. But hey, here we are. We'll, we'll leave that to them to figure out. I mean, I've already had a test. So this shows you how my brain works. I cut my finger pretty badly the other day. Uh, got new knives for thank, uh, for um, Black Friday. I did not appreciate how sharp they were. Cutting an avocado, bang, straight through the avocado, straight into my finger. And went to urgent care had five stitches in it. I'm driving back. And what do you think I wanted? Mm. I wanted some chocolate to soothe my feelings. And this was one of the things that I noticed. Whenever I, as somebody who's fairly introverted, whenever I'm in situations that are overwhelming to me, so lots of people, maybe some discomfort with those people and some arguing and stuff, you know, family situations, family events, weddings, all this kind of stuff. I often eat chocolate or I eat sweets as a way of soothing myself. So part of this is I'm going to have to learn to soothe myself in, you know, what I believe to be healthier ways. I'm going to have to learn to sit with it or 
what I did um, at a family wedding we were at when it was just too much. So too much. Everyone's dancing and drunk and having a great time. There's nothing wrong with what anybody was doing. I just needed a break. I went and sat outside. They had a lovely fire going outside. I went and sat outside by the fire by myself for 30 minutes. Didn't look at my phone. And I just sat there for 30 minutes and contemplated the day and allowed myself to enjoy what had happened because I was part of the wedding party and it was a beautiful wedding. Kind of recharged and then went back inside again and then danced and had fun and noticing there's different ways I can do that. So I can do that by finding some solitude to recharge. Or typically I would do that by looking at my phone and getting engrossed, or I'd do that by eating sweets. So part of this is I don't want to use my phone and I don't want to use sweets. I want to do things like going for a walk. Mm. I want to find ways to get myself that space to soothe myself rather than looking for the external factors to soothe me. And just keep practicing self-resilience, self-soothing, and moving myself from that emotive, reactional state to that cognitive, how do I want to be state so that I get choice. And I keep practicing that muscle because it's such an important muscle to practice. It's... I love that you're using these terms, muscle, practice. Um, and while you were talking there as well, you used the word use the word notice probably like eight times. I have to go back and count again, but it was something <laughs> it was something it was like something like that. And um and it's such an important word when we think about, you know, New Year's resolutions, these big lofty goals we go for and things like that. It's not about the pursuit of the goal. It's it's almost about the notice, the ability to notice when we may be wobbling a little bit, when we may be somehow tempted into stopping off at the ice cream place on the way back from emergency care, whatever it is, you know, there's opportunities for us to notice these things. But something I also heard you there talk about and where are examples of those sort of daily commitments over a year are different. I was working more on an addition or an inclusion of something you're looking at a removal of and the need to have a substitute. And whether that substitution has something to do if not nothing to do with what it is that's being substituted for. What I love is that you're able to find something that is not only substituting what you're removing, but it's also challenging you to grow even more. And, like, and so that th- there's more challenge. So you're rep- you're, you're, you've implemented challenge through the removal of, and you've actually implemented something that's creating even more challenge by being able to sit still without your phone for 30 minutes. Like all of these things, it's just how do I welcome more challenge? And to your point earlier, I'd have to assume, how's that happiness radar right now around day eight, day nine of 2024? You know, I feel great at the moment. (laughs) I feel really (laughs) positive. Maybe it's the start of the year. I'm by nature fairly optimistic. So we were talking just before we jumped on about this podcast I listened to recently on happiness uh, with uh, Peter Atia interviewing Arthur Brooks. And they talk about delayed gratification and how important that is, again, for happiness. And I just want to keep working on these things where I challenge myself because how can I ask my clients to challenge themselves? And I'm a very challenging coach. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people will always talk about me is I bring a lot of challenge in my coaching. How is my coaching different from other coaches? How is it different from therapists? Like you coming from an elite sports background where everything was challenged, everything was open for discussion. That's what I bring to the work that I do with founders and startups. And I teach that culture of being comfortable in challenge. You know, me and you were talking about it before of 
us being able to have conversations that are respectful and thoughtful where we will challenge each other's ideas. And that is some of my favorite playtime. Right. And I've got to practice that myself. I can't, I can't talk to people about challenging themselves if I don't challenge myself. And that, and that can be challenging behaviors. So that I have to practice working on that. That can be having my ideas challenged and going and finding people smarter than me. When I progressed in my cycling career and I got the position running the Olympic Development Program for USA Cycling, the first thing I did was reach out to who I thought were the best coaches in the world and said, I want to be better. Are you open to talking to me about it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll kind of segue back to what you said with people thinking that to get support is always going to be around money. Uh, yeah, sometimes they can pay me and you, and you should have somebody that you pay that is completely impartial, that has no bias, that is here to help you and support you. And you should also go out and find people that maybe might have their own biases, yet they still challenge you. And when I reached out to these people, I reached out to four coaches. Three of them responded almost immediately. Two of them ended up becoming my friends. One of them I ended up coaching for two years. Hmm. So when I stopped cycling, our relationship changed again. Instead of him being a mentor to me on physiology, I became a mentor to him on leadership and actually supported him as his team worked through the Olympics. So you don't know how these relationships are going to morph. Uh, you know, one of the athletes that I coached who ended up being Olympic silver medalist in Tokyo, now one of my best friends, and our relationship has completely changed from me being his mentor. And now he's supporting me, and he is probably one of the people in my life who challenges me the most. Right. From me being that person for him, challenging him on his mindset and his training and his tactics, now he challenges me. Like, hey, Lee, what are you, what are you missing here? Hmm. I think for me, part of my growth has been when I was younger, I felt comfortable by being the smartest person in the room or having the most control. And as I've gone on, I've realized that actually that's a fairly fake feeling. That's ego-driven feeling. And the comfort is one of fear. It's not one of real comfort and content. And what I find now is I feel my most comfortable when I'm in conversations with people that are really stimulating and where I go away from and think, you know, that's that's changed my view. Mm-hmm. I see the world a little bit differently now, and I'm thankful of that. And this happened kind of halfway through my sports coaching career where I suddenly realized there are no ideas or um, ways of teaching or ways of training that are mine, that I own, that I have to make as part of my identity. And instead, I changed to the model of I'm doing the best I can with the tool set I have now. If I find a better tool set, I'm switching to that better tool set straight away. I'm not holding on to these old ideas because I have this identity with them of this is the way I teach or this is the way I coach or this is my methodology to I just want to be better and I want to help other people be better. And I love it. I love discovering new ways of being and thinking and challenging myself. Yeah, I mean, I said it. I've said it a million times. I said it in my book last year too. Like the way I realize my potential is is helping others realize theirs, and and, and you know, I, I get true joy from that. As you, I know you did for years in cycling, and as you do today. And and one little note I want to make here, right as we just finish out, is what you were saying here with you know you piggybacking off that point of when you go to someone and you look for that resource. Usually it comes to some form of investment. It just depends on what the ask is. Depends on what the ask is. Your ask of those coaches was just like, hey, can you just help me get a little bit better here? 
I just need a little bit of insight and I get me on course, correct my course, whatever it is, and I'll be well on my way after we have a chat. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you're looking for someone to overhaul your career, your life, blah, 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 all this kind of thing, that's a big, big ask, and you're probably yeah. going to have to expect to invest in that. Yeah. But from a mentoring standpoint, from an impact standpoint, I've done over 200 episodes, and I've not paid a single person to come on this podcast. So before you expect that money to come in the mail, mate, it's not coming. Like, I'm not paying you I thought you to we'd be agreed on, on five grand. No no, 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 no. That's how I get you here, and then I, I, I have the difficult conversation afterwards. But the, the, the fact is, like, I've been challenged by every guest that has come on this show, and I've, all I've asked of them is bring yourself – bring a, a desire to discuss and I'll do the rest. And, and and so for me, like that is how easy it is if we're willing just to put ourselves out there and make an ask that is reasonable enough for someone to get back and support you. But listen, mate, I, we could t- we, you'll be coming on again. You'll probably be the first guest that comes on for a fourth time specific to career competitor, but we're also talking about all sorts of ideas in the background of you and I collaborating more specifically within 2024, who knows beyond, but I want to give everyone the opportunity just to know where they can find more info about you as you go through this huge rebrand process and put yourself out there, go on successful podcasts, and then go on ones like this as well. You know, all, all of those sort of things. Just feel free to share everything that you need to share with us so we know where we can find information about you. Well, what do you call a successful podcast? I call a podcast <laughs> that's done 200 episodes highly successful. I think I the stat is um, – Less than 10% of podcasts make it past six episodes. Something like that. I've heard that. So you're probably in the 1% range now (laughs) of podcasts that have made it to 200 episodes. So just that alone is an incredible feat. Um, Yeah, if you want to find me, find me. It will be leapovey.com. It's probably going to be about a month before that's launched. But if you just Google me, Lee Povey, you'll find ways to get in contact with me. I'm on all the social channels. Message me wherever. I love speaking to people. Um, I work with men and women. So if you're a founder, if you've got a startup that's between 10, 15 and kind of 50 people, that's where I like to play. I help you create the culture needed for your company to truly take off. Mm. Well, I appreciate you and I know people are going to continue to appreciate you far beyond this podcast as well. So thanks for the time, mate. appreciate you joining me again. And, uh, mate, best of luck with uh, resisting the confectionery for 2024. I'll keep you updated, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Always fun having Lee back on the show to just really have two coaches chat it up and share some honest, insightful, vulnerable quality discussion with you to where maybe you can relate and some of it resonates with you. But if there was one thing that I could really encourage you to apply as you finish this episode it's hey don't be afraid to challenge yourself and ask those difficult questions while you're going through the greatest of challenges the greatest of adversities within your life you can learn so much about yourself when you have that that courage as i mentioned there with lee just to ask difficult questions and see what things mean to you what emotions are telling you what you need to know and what you need to feel in that moment to make some sort of step towards something that maybe you set yourself on a trajectory that otherwise you would not have had you not asked those powerful questions. So something to think about, tons of other stuff throughout the episode that I'm sure you took away as well. But in the meantime, as always, guys, on your way out, subscribe, make sure you're sharing the episode with folks and don't forget to come back and do it all again with me in a week's time. Appreciate the attention. Best of luck with everything and anything you've got going on in your world. 
and look forward to doing this again with you very soon. Bye for now.